in order to have a great diverse team, empathy deployed amongst the team is already the first starting point. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Strategy Show. I'm your host, Simon Severino. This episode is brought to you by the Strategy Sprints. At Strategy Sprints, we do only one thing, strategy in sprints. Strategy means more monthly revenue. In sprints means doing it in a way that raises the energy and motivation to do the next sprint and the next sprint and the next sprint. As always, every day we try and bring the smartest, most interesting people who have something to say that CEOs can be inspired from. And today, I have with me the author of three award-winning books, including Artificial Empathy on Business, AI, and Empathy. He lived in 15 countries. He visited over 90 countries. His next book coming up is about leadership. It's called You Lead and will be out there in July. Please welcome everybody, Minter Dial. Thank you very much, Simon. Or maybe I should say grazie or even better. Grazie, grazie mille. Vile danke, vile danke. <laughs> it's great to have you here. We will talk about how empathy boosts innovation, how empathy and business go together, and even how empathy and artificial intelligence can go together. So, Minter, take it away. Well, if I start with the, the notion of how to boost innovation with empathy, there are several things. The first is, is about making a good team. When you want to have great innovation, you have to have a great team. And as is more and more clear today, this notion of diversity is actually a relevant component to making great innovation. In order to have a great diverse team, empathy deployed amongst the team is already the first starting point. The second one is coming up with the right ideas innovative ideas and it's about getting into the basically the hearts souls and minds of the customers potential customers you're aiming for or the ones you already have and really understanding leaning in as to what they want which means stripping out your own ego what you think necessarily might be anecdotally interesting and really looking at the data and leaning into the emotions and thoughts and experiences of your customers the third part of it is looking at design. And, and in, in when you design the experience, the product, the website, the emails, everything that goes out to it, it's also about injecting empathy into those components. So that's the, the triptych that is the way to use empathy to drive innovation in your business. Beautiful triptych. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, my team and I, we went over our website because we wanted to change something. And then we said, wait a moment, how much are we listening? How much is this website built for somebody versus, as you might say it, uh, egotistic, now just telling about us. But what does it give anybody to tell about? So our question was, can we rewrite it? We really were, it was like closing our eyes, trying to be the person coming that knows nothing. So a, a, a fresh experience. And now from that perspective to see, what am I getting here? Is this text listening to me? So our question, our working hypothesis was, can we, can we rewrite the text in order that the text is listening 
to somebody because that would be a great experience. I pass by a website and I feel like I am seen and I feel like this is speaking to me. That's absolutely the right type of approach. At the end of the day, the, the challenge is to strip out, A, your own personal objectives, two, to be neutral, if not completely uh, virgin to your ideas, the acronyms, the business concepts you have. And then when you're, when you're doing that, I love the idea of, you know, how can you listen? At the same time, whenever you're doing that, you need to think through different customer journeys that are going to come in because you're going to have the ones who are regulars with you. And, and how do you deal with change when you're trying to update the website? We all want change, but it can be disconcerting to create a new website and for a returning customer to say, oh, where the hell is the tab or what I, was, what I was looking for in the first place? There's a great example of, of a lack of empathy and just what you're saying by the, the Metropolitan Museum in the United States. They spent two and a half million dollars in a rework, complete rework of their online situation. And um, what they completely forgot was to add a map of how to get to the Met. And the reason, because everybody who works on the site knows where it is. So they, they did end up having a map, but it was like four or five clicks in, whereas it's actually the number one thing that customers are looking for on the site. So you have the opportunity to use the data that your site is kicking off. You have to be able to listen in and figure out what they're doing. And then there's an opportunity just to, just to clean slate it. Maybe use some friends, hey, listen, I, I, how does the site appear to you? And then get that feedback, constant feedback loop anyway, is going to be key. This is so strong. Two and a half million wasted because you could slice it in sprints of seven weeks like we do or sprints of, of 14 days like other people do. And then you can have that information rather soon than late, which is uh, obviously better. And the second thing is it's so easy to get trapped into your own blind spots because I see this every day. I wake up with the intention of listening, of being there for somebody. I even do a really practical exercise that where I just sit down and I think of the day and of the people I will meet and of the conversations I will have. And I, I try to think of the person and the needs and the wants they have and the dreams and the goals and how can I be of service today? So six o'clock in the morning, I am quite clear and I, am, I have a very good intention that I'm focused on serving. Comes 10.30, I forgot about everything. I am in the autopilot in default mode again. Stressed and moving around. Yeah, what's your experience? What's your perspective? All right. Well, um, so I, I, my first point, I think I, I probably, if I hear you correctly, talk about doing every morning meditation. I have my 10 minutes obligatory meditation, which I've been doing now for four years, aka mindfulness. And at the end of that, I do the same thing. I try to think through the day and how I'm going to remember to be more present. Because in the end of the day, being present actually is all about being able to listen to strip out your worries of the past, your concerns for the future, and to focus in on, on the individual that you're listening to, you know, whoever it is. One interesting thing, Simon, is that when you are uh, practicing listening, which is such the core skill within empathy, it's sometimes easier to listen to a stranger than it is your closest, your spouse, 
or someone very close to you. And there's a thing called the close communication bias. So if you've known somebody for, let's say I've been married for 25 years to my wife, very often I, I, can, I can imagine, I can skip and say, well, I know what she, where she's going. And yet what that does, A, can be wrong, and two, is very off-putting. It doesn't make the other person being, feel that they're being heard. So one of the great skills to do, Simon, you can bring it through no matter who with whom you're speaking, is to reformulate what you're hearing. So, you know, you could do it like even I in the, hear that you say this and that. That's right. Am I correct? That's right. So, mm -hmm. the, exactly. So, you're not just saying what I said, but you're finding ways. What I'm hearing from you, Minter, is you're, you're quite determined about this. So, you're injecting a little bit of the emotion that you're hearing from me. You're quite determined about this idea of, of listening in and stripping out the ego, being present and reformulating in a way that they understand that you're being heard. So that would be the reformulation of what I just said. And if you do that with, you know, you're not going to do it all the time because it's silly. It's not about a dogma, but it is something where you, you can practice it. And something I do on a frequent basis is um, actually I, I do an exercise called an empathy circle where I bring three or four people on Thursday. I've got one with three CEOs this time they're all major, major CEOs. And, and I, they've been convinced that they need to, to strengthen their listening skills. So in this empathy circle, I make them basically sit and listen to somebody else and only reformulate without judgment on what the other CEOs and I will be saying. And at the beginning, it's inevitably a struggle. And it just shows how little, Simon, we're able to listen to one another. Because you know when you, you and I are interviewing right now, you have to think about what your next question is. I know how that goes, right? So you have to worry about the next question or you want to punch in some different type of thought because that's how a conversation goes. And the longer I speak, the older that thought goes. And then how can you stay present with me all the time? Well, being mindful is one of the key things and practicing the art of reformulation is a great tool. Beautiful. Because we all have our baggage, like also... Right now, in this discussion, of course, I'm the podcast host. I have the baggage that I want to be extracting value out of your experience uh, and your journey for the listeners who are CEO. You have your baggage. You have studied and researched and done and learned so much. You want to give it across. That's the baggage. And on the other side, we have this conversation, which is two human coming together, one in London, one in Vienna. Yeah. And, uh, and that's something emerging there. And, and this is um, actually why I do the podcast, because the art of interviewing to me is something that I want to learn every day and that I will never stop um, being graceful for what, what's the best thing that can happen in a day to me. Uh, it's not just being... Uh, a father, a friend, the CEO of a company. It's having a great conversation with a human being. And, and this is, I think, a skill that everybody can learn from and that everybody can practice because, as you say, we might be even decent at it, but then stress comes in and our baggage kicks in. So it is something that needs practice. And... Uh, and then there is this beautiful way of connecting to people who are really far away. They have their own journey. 
And I can bring this to the community of CEOs and of sprinters and they can learn so much. The highest calling right now is to be of service. So the best sales is to not sell at all, but instead to serve the people you care about. Selling is telling. So who do you serve? And how do you serve them? The quality of this experience makes the difference. If you want our experts to go over your current sales funnel and really dive into the experience and the needs of your clients at each conversion point and make it a wow experience, then you are in luck because we have an exercise for you. Our 15-minute sales audit and one-on-one -on -one coaching with a world-class sprint coach. Fill out a couple of questions about your sales funnel and you will have clarity. In your personalized coaching session, you will get clarity on your number one bottleneck, three ideas on how to accelerate your growth, and a tangible sales map on how to double your conversions. Go to strategysprints.com sales and do our 15-minute free sales audit today.